0: Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hypnotic Healers. My name is Nicole Mazzucato, and as always, I'm here with my friend and fellow hypnotist, all the way on the other side of the planet, Anthony Gitch. We have a fabulous guest here with us today, but before we dive right in, our usual disclaimer, neither Anthony nor I nor our guest are licensed medical professional psychiatrists, psychologists or anything of the like, so please don't make any alterations or changes to any medications or treatments you're on based on the conversation you hear here today. Take what you like and leave the rest, and while you're leaving stuff, you might as well leave us a like, a love, a thumbs up, a heart, a smiley face, whatever you feel like, share us around with your friends and tell us how wonderful we are. Hello. Hello. <laughs>
0: Hello, that was sweetheart. impressive.
2: You did all that in one take. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's why she just does the opening now. We used to switch back and forth, and I'm like, "No, Nicole, you just do it." <laughs> yeah, because take
2: four of that, you're just being frustrated with yourself. I would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So everybody, it, it's it's good to it's it's good to have everybody here. I'm excited because um, we have a, a gentleman with us today by the name of Scott Sandlin, who is the uh, master of all things hypnotic convention wise um as well as being a well-recognized practitioner um hypnotist and and so we wanted to have him on the show um not only so we could talk to him about the colloquium that we've put on um but also you know uh, about his business what inspires him to do what he does to run Thoughts every year um and you know let's let's just start here scott what first brought you into the business <laughs>
2: There's two versions of the story, but the the theme is it was an accident, and <laughs> I love telling stories and helping people. and um, that's in my nature, you know, there's some giant lottery jackpot right now, and you uh, know anytime you play that game of what would you do if you won, everything in my head is connected to, oh, that would allow me to help more people. And it's just, in my nature, that's that's truly what brings me joy and it's what I want to do. And so I really measure my life in t- in terms of its success in net impact on my ability to help others. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's seeing clients one-on-one, when we built out the clinic, when we built out the school, when we built out the conference, whatever we're talking about, I'm really looking at you know, that as a key performance indicator. So the, the KPI that I use is
0: people helped
1: right on right on i, that. Right on. I, really I like that. that yeah <laughs>
0: nice i think that's isn't that why we started this nicole isn't that kind of the reason behind <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely but i have the same i have the same lottery story in my head you know when i when i'm in the lottery i'm gonna call up this friend and say okay let's go and buy you a house and i'm gonna call up this person and say here's your mortgage payment <laughs> right <laughs> well and, it's
0: 1.9 billion dollars I mean, isn't it now yeah, a
2: couple Scott, billion bucks
0: that's, yeah that's, that's real money yeah that's that's enough to like i told tim the other day i don't know if you if you've ever met tim box he was at the first Thoughts, yeah, but I got it, tim. um I, I was telling him the other day it's like yeah if i if i went you were there nicole if i went i'm buying a i'm buying a mega yacht and we can teach control academy classes from the yacht um yeah. you know <laughs> fly into wherever it's warm that's where we'll be take the class um <laughs> stay for free. Um, you know, uh... (laughs) and when I started seeing clients, I was
2: broke. I was genuinely, I had such a small amount of money at the time I was 20. Um, and when I first started seeing clients, I I first got certified when I was 18. I started seeing clients when I was 20. Um, I I didn't have enough money to eat every single day. I ate almost every day, but not every day. Uh, I didn't have even the hint of an office. I I said I was doing house calls to be convenient, but it was because that's all I could afford. And I was driving to people's houses to hypnotize them for like forty dollars an hour, and 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 that's how I started. And but I, I knew I wanted to help people, and I built that up, built out an office, built out a practice, built and built and built. And ever as I was making that progression, I I really looked at okay, if I spend an extra $600 on this new recliner chair, is that going to help me help more people? If I buy a more expensive office chair for myself, is that going to help me help more people? Uh, Because if I'm in a more comfortable office chair, that's $100 more than the chair to the left, will I be able to sit in the chair for more hours and build hypnothoughts.com? Will I be able to whatever and everything I've looked at, my ROI, my bang for the buck, my all of that all comes down to how can you translate that into that investment makes other people better. And that's it's a really simple um mechanism that just allows you to make hard decisions more easily for me.
0: Wow. Yeah, I like I like that though. I mean, it's you know, I've I've oftentimes struggled with gosh, you know, do I really need this new camera over something else right and and oftentimes it's the business stuff that wins out right sure. but it but it's not that i i like the way that you do that better because it, it certainly takes yeah i like that i like that perspective i really like so, that perspective a yeah, lot. yeah the way <laughs>
2: i would do it was i knew my hourly rate and so anytime i needed to invest or spend in the business i said okay how many client sessions is that so just to make it easy math like if i charge a hundred dollars an hour mm-hmm. and this thing is $400, I'm like, okay, this is four client sessions. And it will buying this make me four client sessions more effective? Will this help me get four more client sessions? That could be one client, who knows? Um, but so my unit of measurement, my math was client sessions because my assumption is my price is fixed and my average amount of help given per hour is about the same. Right. So, you know, some clients I might help more in an hour, but, you know, with enough clients throughout a year, I can say this is how helpful I am in an hour. This is how much I get paid in an hour. This thing costs this many hours. Will it get me this many hours? And then you can just do really simple math in terms of, oh, this thing costs a quarter of one client session. Uh, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just you get it. So that's mm-hmm. that's the way I did everything getting started and for years after. And I still do that with that's Like We really bad. look at thoughts the same way.
0: When I first started in massage therapy, everything was based upon, okay, how many clients do I need this month to make this much money? This is how much money I need. This is how much I charge. This is how many clients I need. Break that down between the weeks now. Mm and and you know the days and how much how much street walk am i going to have to do in order to bring in you know those that amount of clients right and, and yeah. i've always based it on this is what i want what do i need to do in order to get that yeah. um, and and it's funny some people don't some people kind of do it the other way around they think the therapy is just going to be there and, you know, that doesn't always happen. You've got to beat the street. You've got to, it, it yeah, takes like anything, it takes work.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to. If it was easy, we would just have little kids yeah. doing this. It's supposed yeah. to be real work. Supposed to be easy, I mean, yeah, but if easy. it was easy, then a bunch of crap hypnotherapists would be seeing all the clients. We want
0: it to be hard. So <laughs> They're that... teaching all of the students. No, I'm teasing. Um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Scott, you said you originally trained at 18. That's, that's young. What on earth yeah. took you to hypnosis at 18 years old?
2: Yeah, I was the youngest in the world for a couple of years, actually. Um, and wow. that's how I got such good mentors, like Michael Elner and all these amazing people were so good. so at you and Dan
0: kids. candell are are those few and far between that have been doing it since since he's just a youngster
2: so I started I started taking classes when I was seventeen. started reading before that classes at seventeen certified uh just at eighteen, like barely eighteen. um long story short, I was in a car accident where I ended up in pavement so i supermaned, and like my shoes flew off i lost a bunch of skin everything was painful and uh i'm one of those people that opiates just don't work well on and so i found hypnosis completely out of necessity because i was a scholarship athlete like i was a i i had been offered a full ride to play college water polo and uh and i was i was a water polo player i was a swimmer and all of a sudden i had no skin on my hands and two dislocated shoulders and uh, Vicodin didn't help me. And so out of complete necessity, I found hypnosis. It worked for me better than everything else. I'm a skeptical person by nature, but there was no arguing with uh, what was working for me. And so I started playing around with it. And uh, just the idea of helping people that much, it just just clicked and it, it didn't go right away. But over the next two years, it, it really turned into, this is a neat hobby to know this is what I want to spend my time doing. That's awesome. Wow. That's so amazing. it's my only job. That's amazing. I mean, I had like gotcha. little high school jobs, but it's like my only real job.
1: Yeah. There's there's very few people that we've interviewed that that have that, progr- you know, have that story. There's, I think you're about the third, third person I think that yeah. we've interviewed on here that's That's had that kind of, you know, that this was my first job and (laughs) here I am. And it just, it
0: blows me away because personally, just for myself, you know, I know that I couldn't be as as effective as I am without all of the story that I have. Right. But, you know, we've all, it's like I tell people, we've all got that, the mountaintop is the same it's the journey that we take there. You know, some of us just have a different, you know, way of going about getting there. Um, Some of us have to meander around the whole fucking mountain. Um, Others of us just kind of find that path.
2: (laughs) And I had, I had clients and I, I look young now I'm in my forties and I still look, you know, young. And when I was 20, I looked a lot younger. And so I I remembered vividly a client who came for sleep loss simple thing couldn't sleep well sure and I barely had an office but I had an office so I was maybe 24 something like that um and he said my business is falling apart my wife is leaving me and I can't and because of that I can't sleep how are you going to help me you're yeah, 12
0: right. and just and,
2: and so I had to learn how to like make like Flip that into an advantage, or utilize mm-hmm. it, or respond well to earn the credibility to say anything in the room, and and uh, with with no real understanding of how the world works, and and not much real understanding of the human condition, uh, mm-hmm. which is why I have so much patience for these online gurus that are you know 24 years old, and they you know they sort of just travel around and live out of Airbnbs, and they say they they can help everybody. It's you know ignorance is bliss, and I I sort of had that too, um, and so I understand that I, I I appreciate their where their confidence comes from. I also mm-hmm. understand where a lot of their gaps and holes still are, uh, because I was once a little bit like that. Although I was really trying to be clinical, I was always it was very important to me that I uh, I earned the respect of clinicians and then I got peer-reviewed journal articles when I was younger mm-hmm. and like I did all that and, like and like taught grand rounds and taught at medical schools like it was very important not to as me.
0: important to you anymore is it
2: no I got the street cred checked those boxes and uh you can't be bothered <laughs> you know that's <laughs>
0: interesting I uh, that's inter that's that's really interesting did you go to college at all yeah I uh, went to Loyola Marymount. Okay. All right. That's, that's, I've, that's interesting. That's, that's cool to know about you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I saw, I saw somewhere that you, you did, um, you were on the board of directors of like the, the medical and dental hypnotherapy association. I mean, you've, you've achieved.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like my, like, Ethics boards for the ACHE, IMDHA life fellow and diplomat, and board of directors and board of directors for HMI for a while. Um uh yeah, like I, I've checked a lot of boxes. I've got a bunch of plaques and awards. Uh I won a Lifetime Achievement Award in my 30s, which I feel really good about. Um wow. the, uh, gave me uh the Mid-America Hypnosis Conference gave me the Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, before I turned forty, which uh, is maybe my favorite award uh, that I've won, because it was it not just because it's silly to win a lifetime achievement award when you're forty, but it was it the award they had given me Educator of the Year a couple of years prior, and in my acceptance speech, I said something that was very sincere, which is um, uh, I don't deserve this award, but I accept it on behalf of people who do because I'm, I'm not a very good teacher, and I know I'm not. I'm a good educator, but I'm not a good teacher, because I can create, and that's why thoughts works, because I see myself as a person who says, you teach this, you teach this, you teach this, uh, and I can have fun conversations. I know what I'm talking about, but I can't create lesson plans, like mm-hmm. what it takes to be David Snyder, as an example. What, what David Snyder is so good at is creating processes and systems, and even when he's teaching stuff that he'll say is completely unoriginal. It's just an amalgamation of people he's trained with and trained from. Um, He structures it in a way that makes him a great teacher. I don't have that. Um, uh, But what I have is a knowledge of all the parts and an appreciation of all the people who are doing it. Um, And so when I won Lifetime Achievement, that was for all the things I've done, whether it be building the websites or the social networks or the conferences Uh, that's, that's really where I see my legacy. If I'm, if I'm being grandiose and forgive me. Um, but it is, it is that side of things. I'm, I am more the sand that irritates the oyster to create the pearl, not the oyster or the pearl itself. I'm just more the (laughs) irritant. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I think that's so cool. Cause I, I, I just, it's, it's just nice to know that there's others like that in the world. It's like, I tell people all the time, my housemate says all the time, why do you get so excited when someone wins at, at, at some game show, like Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? It's like, because they won. He's like, yeah, but you didn't win. I'm like, yeah, but they did. Holy crap. That's awesome. And he's like, I'm excited when other people do well. It's like, I don't yeah. understand when other people are like, oh, yeah, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I love teams. And, and like I
2: said, I played water polo and I was, I was good, you know? Uh, and so I played on really good teams. and I had these really amazing teammates. I've I played with a whole bunch of Olympians and, and like, I've seen like this whole idea of what teams and communities can do that one individual can't ever do. Yes. And, and, you know, and so there's team sports and, and all that stuff. and, that really extends to, you know, how big your tribe is and what you visualize mm. as, you know, in grouping and out grouping and my us versus my them and how mm. big I can make my us. And the oh, right. the bigger oh. you make your us, I think the more enjoyable the world can be, not always right. is. But I think it's it's easier to have a great world when your us is bigger.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I want to I really want to ask you about. um. This AI project or oh, company sure. that you've got—it's—I yeah. Can you tell tell us a bit about it? Because it's um yeah, what is it?
2: Yeah, so uh, it, it it fits right in line with what we're talking about about the the my KPIs of helping people. So I was I started a clinic. Uh, so we started a school, and uh, then we started a clinic for hours for those students. So a place where they could learn, uh, or a place where they could get hands-on. They could do sessions and all that. And we partnered with a bunch of drug rehab centers. So we were working with uh, eight or nine drug rehab centers. We had clients coming in, you know, normal off the streets, um, you know, marketing and all that stuff. And but we were doing a lot with at-risk teens. And I was watching this and I, you know, just 17-year-old kids, you know, 3,700 kids attempt suicide in high school every single day in America. So like, that's just day. the most disgusting number. 3,700 attempts a day. Um, And it's been that way for years. And I watched suicide. And and that doesn't even count all the other stuff, you know, over and under medication, anxiety, depression, you know, getting off track, dropping out of school, like all those other bad things. But this is such an easily quantifiable tragedy. Um, Now, fortunately, of those 3,700, most of them aren't successful. Uh, Most of them survive. Um, But still, they've gotten to that point. And so I was just watching this ocean rise this, this problem getting bigger. And I said, well, we need to scale this. And that's one of the reasons why we built the clinic and the school was let's train more people to be, you know, carbon copies of me. Let's just make more me's. I'm helping this many people a week. The more me's there are, the more people are being helped every week. So they're like, OK, now there's a dozen of us. Great. And we're teaching online classes. Great. There's 100 people in the class. Neat or whatever. Um, but it still just felt like we were getting to the people too late. And I just decided that technology was the solution. And there's a couple of different stories uh, that go into it. One uh, with a guy who was working at the clinic at the time and is now my co-founder in this AI company. It's called Cyrano AI. Um, and his name is Dan Paris. And he's a brilliant NLP guy. He really is. And he's just one of those encyclopedic guys. And he's he's not incredibly well known. But everybody who knows him really respects him. And he was doing a bunch of great corporate work and good to great stuff at the clinic. And when I decided I wanted to do the AI to help people, I reached out to him and I was like, I wanna do this. And so we started putting it together and uh, we built a tool that pays attention. We built a tool with soft skills. We built a tool that like, has active listening. So it is an understanding that we all have, you know, I'm going to call us clinicians. And again, we're not licensed or anything like that, but we're doing, you know, helping work. We're doing change work. We're doing that, you know, those high value conversations. And the idea of earning rapport, earning trust and earning credibility, the idea of calibrating in this person, their VAK stack, right? Something simple. Oh, this person's highly auditory or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Calibrating how committed they are to the thing they're talking about and how much they're just, you know, bullshitting you. Um, uh, paying attention to a bunch of other what their priorities are, what's really going to move the needle for them. All those things that I was teaching to students. What if I just taught a robot to do that? It'd be a lot harder, but I'd only have to do it once. And then I could have a robot that we could put on every phone for every at-risk teen in America. And if I build the business plan right, I can give it to them. And so that's what we built. Um, And it took us years i spent a couple of years just learning ai just taking classes um and it's hard <laughs> it's quite hard um but i learned it uh did that and then we wrote out um a bunch of patents and we we got uh, well i don't know when this airs but maybe by the time this airs we'll have our 37th patent claim awarded to us so we've got this big set of this growing set of patents and patent claims about this technology It's all built around the idea of uh, empathy and uh, strategic listening and giving advice and help uh, in those high value conversations. So we built that um, and it's it's working. It's working quite well. We've got about 30 or 40,000 people using it right now. Uh, We've got uh, we just passed 60 million minutes of Zoom calls analyzed. Um, and, and, and all above board, like none of it's a secret data mining thing. Like, you know, you have to be recording and all that's ethical. Um, I, I've just been invited to go speak again at the United Nations, uh, about how we're doing it and, uh, you know, talk to them. Congratulations
0: on that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would say um, you're, you're, you're chatting about it. Like, Oh, I just did this and it's, that's a big deal. I mean, what you're talking yeah. about, that could, it, that could, that's pretty freaking that's pretty freaking cool.
2: Yeah. It's my, my goal really, really is to have a meaningful change in uh, suicidality in America. And so we yeah. partnered with the guy who created the warrior games and we're doing some stuff with him for veterans and soldiers right now. Um, and I just, the most educated generation in the history of humanity is killing themselves and each other at unprecedented numbers. And if that isn't the biggest problem, I, like the rainforests, like, I don't, like they're, they're dying. (laughs) We're killing ourselves and each other in these crazy massacre level numbers, like the COVID numbers were scary, and that's how many high school kids are attempting suicide every day for seven years. And that should be the only news story. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it is dramatically harder than seeing clients. It's dramatically harder. There are way more people lying to me. There are way more people trying to steal from me. There are way more people, uh, you know, just it's more cutthroat business. And it's tech and dealing with tech bros and VCs and investors and and all that stuff that is very different from just being good with the person in the chair across from you. Um but can
1: I can I can I just yeah. ask? So Please. there's something I'm not entirely understanding. So it's it's a it's a AI, it's a robot that's talking to at-risk teens on the phone and counsel it, like kind of counseling, sure. them yeah, points, yeah, yeah. Uh, communicating with the human. To
2: we have found, we have found that people aren't ready to have that conversation right. with robots yet, and the robots that are trying to do it are very much on rails. So, like it's that you're on a track, and it's very hard to get off that track with those robots. And so, hmm. we can just sort of ask questions and sort of like Rogerian therapy tricks. Um, and we're doing something that's a lot more complex. So, what we do is we give advice to the person having the conversation. Right. So I can say 10 minutes before your next session with your next client, I can give you a two page report on that person and I can tell you how to influence them. You hang up a Zoom call from a Zoom session, I'll have a report that has a graph in five minute increments of how committed that person was to everything that they were talking about and the likelihood that they will follow through on each thing. And so we can give you the person having the important conversation tools that you wouldn't otherwise have. And so it it just, it gives you an exoskeleton and eventually over time, it'll have the conversations by itself and stuff with GPT-3 is just starting to get to the point where you could do that. Um, But I, but I see that on our roadmap is partnering with those kinds of people. But today it's all about empowering the people having the conversations.
1: Right. So it's supporting it's supporting the ther the therapist, the practitioner yeah. in supporting the client. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's uh That's pretty wow. cool. <laughs> yeah. And, I,
2: and I did cool. it in secret for about four years. Like I, I told nobody about it for about four years. Um and it wasn't until we got our first patent that really anybody heard about it at all. Um and I was just, it was it was like sort of Mike, you know, some guys like have a Mustang in the garage that they're always like turning yeah. wrenches and yeah, fixing yeah, yeah, yeah. up. This was mine, and it was just this, this robot, and uh, it's, it's almost the exact same age as my son. And uh, so, I've been playing this game on who's going to learn to talk better sooner and who will be more influential <laughs> sooner. Um, and so there's this fun parallel, uh, between the two of them,
0: right on, right on. So wow we're going to do a, a sudden jump here because there's something obviously that I am really interested in how I actually know Scott um, is because of thoughts. And mm-hmm. first, you know, I got to say the best damn conference um, that I've ever been to, that I ever go to, I, I just, I have a blast. It isn't, um, I actually learn stuff there. Right. Um, which is, you know, not only that, but it's, yeah, it's always been a great time and and, and, a, and a great bunch of supportive people. It's um, I'll give you I'll give you credit on that because you've created you. a great group of of presenters, of of admin. Stephanie is absolutely amazing. I adore her. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure you'd be lost with without her. her. She loves you. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, and I got to tell you, this year when we were all finished up, um, I was, I approached you and Stephanie and or maybe I was talking to Stephanie and you came up to me and you said that you needed to say something and I was like, oh, shh. I offended somebody. Damn it, Anthony. Nicole wasn't there to keep my my mouth shut. Um <laughs> and uh and and you actually, you know, said just the opposite. The people had enjoyed what I did. And so, you know, it's I got to tell you, a, a, and I and I tell people every single person who's been on this show, I think I've said you need to apply to present at Hypno Thoughts. It doesn't matter how much skill you have. You've got to get in there. You've got to start doing it because we always the the more that we can teach about what we do the more we understand what we do yeah and and the better we become at it and and so go ahead well i was gonna say and so much of what we
2: do uh, we're iterating like one session at a time so like like there's i'm going to call it a script and people who are like anti-script can just kind of wrap their heads around the idea of a protocol or whatever <laughs> metaphors you like like let's not like have a tug of war <laughs> uh, but, uh, but like there's there's a metaphor set that you like and there is a thing with a waterfall and a river or there is a thing with a you know, control room or whatever like you like. And you've been tweaking the wording of that every session for five years. And you've just organically found little things that work for you and work better for you than other things. Sometimes because they are better, but sometimes just because they're more congruent with you and they fit with your clientele better, and creating an environment where those you know come out of the echo chamber and those get shared um, is a really important part of advancing the work. And and so it's it's wonderful that we have a community that is is willing to do that and i'm I'm really grateful for a lot of what you'd call the cool kids uh you know the thought leaders, the big deal people they are so generous and so willing to be on that like even footing like they don't like no one has special badges at Thoughts live and and we were really that was a big deal when when we first started it was a doing big offices,
0: deal when I showed up and didn't see People yeah. walking around and acting as if,
2: as if they'd won a war. Like they have all this right. shit on their chest, and you're like, "You saw clients for seven years. Like, why do you have extra badges? Like, and why do I need a badge for to getting it as, eight by eight table? Yeah. Like, you have a booth. Why does that need a ribbon? You know, so it, it, thank but, you. Yeah, thank but, you.
0: Uh-huh. And
2: i I've, I've <laughs> been at the conferences where this happens. They go, "Nice to meet you," and they look to see how much respect they should give you. And they look at the amount of garbage you have on your chest, the amount of tassels you have, and, that, and they're calibrating how much respect you've earned on your chest. And I just think that's so lame. And, and so when we built the Especially conference...
1: Especially if you work helping people for a living, yeah. right? <laughs> In terms of yeah. like non-judgment and... <laughs> and
2: I still believe, and I have believed this for over 10 years, the best hypnotherapist in the world, none of us know. Yeah, Yeah, because they're doing the work. Because they're busy. They don't have time to come to conferences. They're seeing 50 clients a week or three clients a week. I don't know the number, but it's this person who's doing (laughs) the best work. And the idea that it is, you know, Joseph Onesta, just because he's doing the conference circuit and and we all love Joseph, so I'm name dropping him on purpose. Uh, Like Joseph's fantastic. But no one's gonna say, like, no one should say, well, because Joseph speaks at the most conferences, he's the best. Joseph's the best because he's just amazing. But like, we shouldn't keep track of like, well, like, even like the the kind of list I was giving of like, oh, I was on this board and I I sat on that. That's politics, right? And and that's just knowing like that's just getting invited to the cool lunch table and that and and knowing how to play that game and and uh, i played it and i i did well with it and it was good to me and it helped me help people which is wonderful which is again why i did anything because it could help me help people um but no the, the the point is we have to be equals and we have to shed that and we have to make it easier for real talent and real quality to come up
0: well everybody's got to be you know i mean i think that for me, the reason I'm in this business is because I I want to help people, right? I mean, that's why I do this. And so, you know, it's it's when even when I'm not presenting at thoughts it's like, well, you can come up and ask me where you need to go because we're all here to to yeah. I don't know. I this is and it's not only been at Hypno Thoughts, um, there's been a couple of the other smaller conferences that I've been to where it's just there is a community yes. that says, you know what, how can we help you do better? Yep. Rather than, well, I mean, there's still this idea of some competitiveness that, that runs in, in, in every industry. And I've been trying to beat that with a, a, a big stick for a while because. Like, I want to start the Pacific Northwest hypnosis um, community, right? Where we have an office building with a big freaking sign um, that everybody sees and with plenty of parking. And there's like seven or eight hypnotherapists in there all doing their thing. And there's people that they're just so afraid of that. Well, how am I going to get my clients? Well, you don't do what it is that I do. You don't see the kind of clients that I see. We all attract very different. And, and I don't want to work with a lot of weight loss stuff. So if someone does call me, guess what, I've got someone right there to give it to because that's yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but, but it's it's and that's one of the things that I appreciated about hypno thoughts is there wasn't that whole sense of competitiveness, right. as as there is in, in in a lot of the in a, in a lot of the get togethers like that. It's just how can we help you succeed? And and what is it that you need?
2: yeah and and a big part of that is a philosophy that we take we take seriously the idea of helping people we take seriously the idea of learning and sharing but not taking ourselves seriously and like if you think you're important like so i run the world's largest hypnosis convention and i am never stopped at airports no one cares on earth <laughs> like like I, that doesn't that's nothing One week a year in one medium sized building, I am important. (laughs) And then it's over. And then I come home and there's dishes in the sink. And my wife's like, hey, world famous (laughs) hypnotist, finish that and then go walk the dog. Like, there's this idea of like, do you know who I am or am I important? Hmm. Like, I just, it's so juvenile. It's just, it's so insecure.
0: And I want, right. you know, it, it, it's more important for me is I, I don't care if you know who I am. If you do know who I am, do you know who I am? Because I did something good. Sure. Because I made You're an, like, in, because I was, I was impactful in a way that actually left a positive impression, right? Instead of, oh my God, that dick. Um, did, I,
1: did I leave you in a better state than I found you? Yes.
0: yes. Yeah, that's the that's, lesson I'm teaching my son
2: right now. He just started Boy Scouts. And so one of the main things in Boy Scouts is, you know, leave the campsite better than you found it. Mm -hmm. And so we're applying that, you know, you know, sort of mapping that across to as much as we can exactly right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, Nicole, you said something like when we started, you were introducing me. You talked about the fact that I'm like, you know, I, I have a background as a practitioner. And there are a ton of people in the world who don't know I ever saw clients. And I saw more clients than most hypnotists ever Like in terms of one-on-ones, like I did, I did, you know, 10 hours of group therapy sessions. And sometimes those groups had 40 people in them. So I was doing 40 people at a time of therapeutic work. I did that for 17 years and then was doing 20 hours of one-on-ones. And so I just, the clinical work, and I don't really talk about that very much. Um, but when you like when you guys introduced me and you said it, I was like, there are people at Hypno Thoughts Live who have no idea I've ever done that. There are people who really? asked me, oh, I had, it was wonderful. Uh last year, someone came up to me and she had just taken Ken Gutzo's class. I won't embarrass her with her name, but uh, she knows who she is because we've talked about it. Um and uh and when and Ken and I were talking and she came up and she's like, so you're the guy who put this whole thing on. Oh, thank you. This is great. And I was like, oh, whoa, welcome for being here. You know, great to have you. She's like, so have you ever taken any hypnosis classes yourself? And I was what like, does. yeah, I have. Oh my God. It's so great. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I responded sincerely with the idea of, you know, she's new. She's, you know, a year or two into the industry. and And <laughs> why should she know who I am? Why should she know what went on in of my office?
0: Like, well, like,
2: no. Like we Being
0: on the largest hypnosis conference, I would think that the person who's doing that has done some hypnosis. Well,
1: um, not necessarily. But, I, but then again, you not know, I think because differently. Because he's a right? I, as well, right? And yeah, yeah, organizing a yeah, conference you know, doesn't mean you necessarily know how to hypnotize someone.
2: Yeah, there's, there's a, I don't know, maybe a, maybe fifty people at the conference who just mm. think of me as a party planner. Like they that's don't, amazing. they don't think that I've, I, I've done the work. Like they don't know that I, like I really love the work. Mm. Um, and that's, that is, one hundred percent fine. Like there's no, there's nothing to me that's connected to, to. Well, I, uh, guess, yeah, that I guess, yeah. I guess the
0: reason I knew that is because I met people that knew you before I got involved, right? Sure. Um, and so I got history of you before I ever, you know, came to Um, By the way, is that a picture of Victoria Gallagher behind you? It is. Yeah. I, almost, I saw that as well.
2: Yes, that's, that's <laughs> Victoria. So we have a calendar for thoughts Live. And, uh, yeah. and we do a free webinar every month. And this month is Victoria. So shout out to Victoria. It's on the 14th. If anybody wants to come, it's
0: totally free. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I like Victoria. She's been on the show.
1: Yeah, she, She's has, she has. Yeah. So, she has. So, Scott, lovely. what's your what's your favorite thing about about running the um, about thoughts Live? What, what do you most enjoy about it?
2: Um, I, I my favorite thing about the conference is that the conference lets me experiment, mm. and I get to keep playing with new things. It's not set it and forget it. Um, I love that. I love the friendships I've, I have created. Some of the deepest friendships in my adult life are through the conferences, and uh, specifically hypnotherapists, but not only hypnotherapists. But uh, obviously, these great friendships. Um, you know, just as an example, uh, Carl uh, just came into town. He was teaching a class in uh, LA, so he said, "Hey, come out to dinner." And so I went up, and there was you know uh, a good chunk of that I wouldn't have ever had relationships with, and I got to spend time with them. And then Martin was just teaching a class in Las Vegas, and he called me, and he said, hey, come out to Vegas, and let's walk the Sahara And uh, before my class starts. So I just flew out. I, you know, I flew out to Vegas for nine hours just to go spend time with Martin uh, nice. four days ago, three days ago, something like that. And right it was just this, it's wide open. One of my favorite things about hypnosis is no one knows what the hell it is. So when I was seeing clients, no one knew if I was doing a good job or not. And all my clients, they just had to trust that I was good at it because I was charging them a lot of money. And they just assumed if I was charging this much, and it was this hard to get in to see me, that I must be worth it. Uh, right. But they didn't know because they, they don't know how to compare because there's no framework for it. And the conference landscape when we started, it was so broken and so outdated that it gave me freedom to just do whatever the hell I wanted. Mm-hmm. And now because we are the biggest and most successful is I get to do whatever the hell I want. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm right. And I screw things up and I get things wrong. and I have to walk things back and change them and, and apologize to people and, and, you know, and be accountable. But I, I just get to do what I want. I just get to
0: play and try stuff
2: and see if it's going to help. And it's just, it's not a job. Like It's so silly. <laughs> it's not a job.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, the first, you know, you know that Jim and I are putting on together the Pacific Northwest Hypnosis Conference. And yeah. you, you just mentioned Carl, who's going to be our first keynote, keynote speaker. Thing. Yes, um, I saw that. Yeah, great choice. Right, which is great. Um, and and so, you know, here we're going to, we always ask our guests one particular question. And, and that is, you know, what is a piece of advice that you would give to somebody um, that you did at the beginning that you would be like, Oh yeah, I wouldn't, I would make sure I wouldn't do this again, but give it in a sense of a conference throwing sort of thing. <laughs>
1: Ooh.
2: Um, <laughs> yes. Make sure the same rules apply to everybody, especially the biggest names, because as soon as you make one exception, everyone will hear about it and exceptions and favors create resentment. Uh, the the thing we did right was say the rules apply to everybody. And that is critically important to any community. And so I would say, as as you and Jim are putting yours together, I think that that really matters. And the other one is no matter what you do, some people will be unhappy. And and that's OK. Like the, the key to failure is trying to please everybody. And you just have to absorb that that's going to happen. And, you know, there are people who say mean stuff about LeBron James every night on Twitter. And like, that just doesn't <laughs> even make sense. Um, he's better at basketball than all of us are at anything ever. And, and people are mean to him on Twitter. Like it's, uh, and so you just have to absorb that You just go, okay, well, whatever. And
1: yeah. right so on.
2: those would be my two big pieces of advice is treat everyone the same. Uh, rules apply to everybody and understand that when people send you hate mail uh and it's just that's fine i mean i've been threatened with i don't know maybe 10 lawsuits um since we started the conference oh yeah uh for all sorts of stuff i'm suing you because someone else is teaching a class with a similar name to mine i'm suing you because you didn't give me a good speaker slot i'm like i just like it's not like it's just made up like that's not a thing like i've
0: it sounds like my neighbors upstairs who are going to, you know, they were, they, they were taking me to court for this anti-harassment because I was asking them to clean up their dog poop. Right. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, really? <laughs> I mean, I have had
2: people threaten to sue me. Um, oh, actually, an important person threatened to sue me, quite important, uh, used to be uh he was a big name in the industry you know what happened to him and he <laughs> i just hung up on him like i was like i'll see you in court dude you're a dumbass and i hung up and uh, someone is in the well, room
0: if, if you ever hear from me in a panic you'll know that someone is threatening to sue me um <laughs> and,
2: just, and, just I, and i'm calling you for some
0: backbone just, um
2: <laughs> just keep your hands in your pockets and you just kind of shrug and you go
0: well, that's kind of what I did with the people upstairs. So same sort of thing. All right, um. they're all made of people. <laughs> wow. Right on, Scott. Well, it's, hey, it's, it's
1: it's such a it's such a big thing for you guys over there, isn't it? Like,
0: oh god, it's, it's a ridiculous, litigious, and it's probably more for society. Scott because he's mm-hmm. in California, and I think that's even more so in California than it is anywhere else. Well, that's um, why you got
2: to get event insurance. You got to get yourself event insurance. So yeah, uh,
0: they've already told covered. us that. So yeah, you got to get yeah, that. are you looking at that? That's fine. You know, um, yep. Going to. I'm. I'm one of those above the board sort of. I'm. I'm. Nicole will tell you. I'm a stickler for rules. If there's a rule in place, it's because there's a reason for it to be there.
1: Um, sure. Oh well, some you know, rules are just stupid. Well, but yeah. you know,
0: some rules are just legacy you can right. you can you can walk that line but there are some rules that you know when it comes to business stuff sometimes they're there's they're there for a reason and it's to cover your ass right Um, that's what we learned in the military cya cover your ass so i'd rather do that and have it covered thank you very much um (laughs) anyway
2: you get get event insurance and you might have to get this dumb thing so that (laughs) if anybody plays music at your event and the music is covered by copyright, they can technically come after you as the producer of the event for tacitly approving the theft of copyrighted music. And so you have to spend like $300 a
0: year on that. It's like the dumbest, like, you're like, what do we do? What kind of racket well, but is But thank this? you for, yeah, but thank you for telling me about that. I might be one of those people who caused, could have been in, in trouble as I listen to my music before class starts. Now I won't do that anymore.
2: Yeah, because that's, well, it's like $300 a year. Like, it's not a big deal. You can just solve it with $300 and you go, well, and then you say, okay, that's, that's one attendee. You say, okay, is it worth one attendee to be able to play this music? The answer is yes. Therefore I'm going to give them the $300 so I can play the music I want to play and no one gets to bug me. And so nice. same oh. business plans. Nice. Nothing's changed. Nice.
1: <laughs> nice. I like your well, logic Scott. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I have appreciated the conversation. I've appreciated getting to know you a little bit more um certainly the ai thing and the, the suicide prevention thing i think that's very cool Um glad we were able to talk about that i will definitely be hitting you up uh more than likely for some guidance and advice as this conference unfolds um
2: and jim and i've already had a great conversation about it uh a while ago but i'd, I'd love to have longer conversations with you guys
0: Right on. Now that we've actually got some things settled and moving along, yeah, um, appreciate it very much. Appreciate you being on the show today. Um, it's been yeah, it's been a long so time, time coming. Scott. It's um, genuinely
2: my pleasure. This is fun for us.
0: Right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to do it again next year then. Um, Please, and and I will definitely see you this summer. Sounds good. All right, my friend. All right. Thank you, guys. Talk Thanks, to you later. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at
1: hypnotichealers.com.